listener exclusive. I have a delicious secret. The Limestone Coast's Hidden Secrets. Lowstone Coasters, all thanks to Steel Line Roofing Mangambia, locally owned and operated for over 30 years. Welcome to F7 of the Lowstone Coast Hidden Secrets. Our code word today is monster. Let's find out all about this week's Limestone Coast Hidden Secret exclusive to the listener app. The National Parks and Wildlife Service are celebrating 50 years. Now, in the Limestone Coast, we have some incredible national parks, and a man who knows all about it is Nick McIntyre. He joins me for a chat. Nick, good morning. Good morning. How are you? You're good. Nick, we have some incredible hidden gems in the Limestone Coast, and uh, national parks, there are a whole heap that I'm sure nobody knows about. Well, yeah, when you think about it, within this region, there's about... 2.8 million hectares of land, private and public land and so forth. And we would manage about just about 120,000 hectares all up, just about 7%, well, not quite 7% of that land mass. And of course, in a place like the Limestone Coast with so much variation uh, within the one region, there are some very interesting places contained in our national parks and conservation reserves within our region that are of high interest. Nick, take us through some of the national parks that we have in the Limestone Coast and, and some of the places that we might not have visited in the past. Well, if I step back uh, and, and talk about the southeast and how it was formed over time, there's been this interaction with the coast and then rescission of the sea over time. And as a result, the landform has developed uh, behind a series of stranded dunes back to the coast as we know it today. Mm. But of course, What's been left behind is a series of interesting landforms, and that ranges from uh, the granites, uh, which we might know, which is uh, uh, a granite outcrop called Mount Monster, which is up towards Keith. It's interesting. It used to be a quarry, um, and it's probably a little-known park, uh, but it does have conservation values, and it's an interesting example of a granite outcrop that comes to the surface that people probably wouldn't be aware of, and that's just out of Keith. Uh, of course, we have uh, other little parks like Telford Conservation Park, just north of Mount Gambier, and that is a magnificent example of stringy bark, uh, stringy bark uh, woodland, which is uh, is still existing within very much a developed landscape. And you can see koalas there, and there's walking trails and so forth. Um, of course, if I then go back uh, across other areas of the southeast, we've we've got this interesting. Uh, as I talked about earlier, as the coast receded and other landforms um, uh, developed over time, I'm talking about hundreds of thousands to millions of years ago, uh, we've got areas that are considered partial mallee, we've got open woodlands, we've got beautiful red gum flats and and uh, and, and uh, wetlands and swamps. We have a beautiful range along Narracourt, Bangham area, which has some of the most intact native vegetation remaining in this region. Of course, then you get down to some of our other coastal parks uh, and you've got this wonderful variety of coastal experiences along this high energy coastline where the you know, the waves and the, the sea interaction with land over time has formed this absolutely magnificent and picturesque coast. People like to go and fish, of course, at various <laughs> locations. I probably can't talk about all their secret locations that we might know of because the, that's, uh, that's their favourite fishing spots. But we've also got these interesting cast rising springs as well, which we would know as Ewans and Piccaninny Ponds that people love to snorkel and dive in. So you can see there really is a mixed bag within this region 
and it's 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 occurred over time as a result of the formation of the landform that we now know. Nick, what what makes a a national park? Because I mean, just listening to you talk, then I mean, we have some incredible gems of national parks in the limestone coast. What's made them so special to to be designated as a national park? Well, I guess we're really fortunate years ago that when the when the area was being taken up for settlement and was being developed for this wonderful productive farmland that we have that uh, the people who were surveying and developing the area they also recognized and had an affiliation with these natural areas uh, you know with wanting to preserve special features um, wanting to set some areas aside and to make sure that we don't overdevelop the area and I guess the, the thing with the National Park, it really is a, an elevated status as far as management goes because it's recognising that there's a number, a multitude of things in one location, which could be a landscape feature, could be that there's flora there, uh, significant flora, there could be wildlife or Aboriginal cultural heritage at a site, which elevates it. It could be all those things occurring at once at one location, which elevates it to a national park status. And I guess over the passage of time, it's uh, it's wonderful that we have a series of national parks. The first one uh, in this state was Belair National Park. It's uh, an area that uh, uh, many people um, have in high regard to as for recreational purposes. Here in the limestone case, we have similar uh, similar parks in existence. The oldest park was the Coorong National Park. It, it was proclaimed in 1966 and then came across under the National Parks and Wildlife Act in 1972. But uh, then we've got Canunda National Park and Narracourt Caves National Park and these have high elevation because of all the significant features of those parks. If that makes sense. It does, it does. Nick, I've got to ask the question. You are a man who knows the national parks in the limestone coast. I mean, do you have a favourite? You know, I did wonder whether you might (laughs) ask this question. And sometimes it gets a bit of controversial in the house because I must say I have a natural affinity with the Narracourt Caves National Park. I managed that site for a while and it was just a a mesmerising place to work. It had this beautiful um, stringy bark woodland on some of the rises, complemented with uh, red gum flats and, a, and, a, and the Mosquito Creek, which uh, meanders through the park. And then, of course, it had the caves and science and all this history, as well as uh, Aboriginal occupation stories between the Bull Lagoon and Narracourt. And it was just a magical place to work. So I have a natural affinity with the Narracourt Caves. However, however, I do appreciate the beauty of our coastal landscapes, you know, uh, along Little Dip Conservation Park, the Coorong. The Coorong, you can just lose yourself in the in the mystique of the place. And I've heard people describe this before. You know, the, you can you can feel there's something different around the Coorong, like a spirituality as you go through it uh, on, a, on the right night when the sun's setting and it's still water. Um, it's just alluring. So, you know, I appreciate all our parks and, and everything they have. But if you said i got a favourite... Uh, I'll get stirred up in the house, but I certainly have an affinity for Narracourt. And they have good coffee there, you and what more could you possibly want? Absolutely. In the Caves Cafe. Hey Nick, talking to somebody like you who has a passion for the limestone coast, it's uh it's easy to see 
why this is one of the best places in the world to live and to to be surrounded by the national parks that we've talked about is uh, is just an, an added extra feature to our own backyard that we need to know about. Now, I've got to ask the question, what is the difference between a national park and a protected area? Okay. Essentially, protected areas and national parks are the same thing. So in the National Parks and Wildlife Act, there's a series of proclamations for land that we might manage. And it includes things as national parks, conservation parks, recreation parks, game reserves, et cetera, et cetera. And this is what we refer to as the protected area system. And it's basically the Act provides for the establishment and management of reserves for public benefit and also for the conservation of wildlife in a natural environment. So that's essentially what we call the protected area system. There's a series of regulations which say, you know, along the lines of you can't cut down trees in a national park, uh, you need to stay on the on the tracks that are provided, camping designated areas and all those sorts of things. So they're, they're behavioural regulations and things like that um, because it actually supports us to maintain a protected area. And just as an example, we had some, uh, we've been pretty hot on, uh, on the coastal areas over the last few years, particularly during peak summer season when we get a lot of visitors from you know, both South Australia and state. And we focus a lot on ensuring and educating uh, people to camp only in designated areas and stay on the tracks that we have already established for their use. And there's a, there's a big reason for this. If you go back 30 to 40 years ago, or may, uh, particularly for Canunda and Little Dip, people uh, were concerned with the high level of sand drift and encroachment on other settlements. And certainly in the Coorong, uh, there was high level concern over time that some of the sand hills would encroach upon some of the, uh, the buildings that were settled in that area. Nowadays, if we insist that people remain on the established tracks, camp in designated campsites, don't disturb the natives' vegetation and work within uh, what we provide as an amenity, well then we're more likely to halt the, the sand drift and, and, and you know encroachment onto other private areas. And the wonderful observation that somebody had recently, uh, it was only a few weeks ago at Robe, was um, they had worked and lived in the area some 30 years ago and uh, their view was that the Little Dip Conservation Park is looking pretty good to, compared to where it was when there was less regulated use of tracks and four-wheel drive use across the park. So that's really important because it's 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 an area that's been identified as special features to be protected, put in the National Parks Wildlife System as a conservation park, and we're able to regulate visitor uh, use at that park. We want people to come visit the parks, enjoy them, get outdoors, enjoy the wilderness, but we also, through applying the regulations, we're encouraging people to uh, have a stewardship and custodian approach to these parks so that they're there in perpetuity for our future generations. Mm, absolutely. Now, Nick, uh, the the name of the podcast is Limestone Coast Hidden Secrets, so we better talk a little bit about some hidden secrets that we can find here in the Limestone Coast. Can you tell me three hidden secrets in our national parks and protected areas that maybe people have no idea about? All right. Well, so people probably know our, our main ones, don't they? Tantanula Caves, Narracourt Caves, Pickney Ponds, Ewan's Ponds, Little Dip Conservation Park, Bull Lagoon, Coorong National Park, and all those areas, So and Canunda National Park. So I get that? Yep. 
what I can tell people is if you go for a walk in a small park called Telford Scrub, just north of Mount Gambia, there's some trails established there, and there's every chance you might find a uh, koala up in a tree. Uh, and it's the most wonderful example of what the native scrub would have looked like pre-settlement. Really quite interesting. If you just think about that and then you look around everything around, you realise how developed the world is. Uh, it's just a great little park to get in and think, wow, this is what it once used to be like. If I went further up to Panola Conservation Park, and it's probably looking pretty good now with the late rainfall we've had, there is a most magnificent wetland there and a small picnic area that is of... Um, that is of interest and it's a great place to get photographs and uh, like I said there's some picnic tables there and you can uh, you can go and take a look and, and uh, get a photograph along the water's edge. Um, and the other one I'm just trying to work out, um, Bernoulli Conservation Park which is along the coast. It's I've never heard of it. Alright, well that's down uh, just out of Cape Jaffa and between Kingston and Cape Jaffa. So Bernoulli is an interesting one. It actually used to house the lighthouse keepers' cottages when the, uh, the lighthouse used to be out at Cape Jaffa on the platform. Uh, now, some of the ruins are still there, so you can't actually walk under the ruins because we want to, uh, you know, we want people to stay back from the, the sandier ruins. But you can actually get an idea of... Uh, you know, how the lighthouse keepers used to have to work and then launch a boat and get out to sea to the platform and, and go about their duties at the lighthouse. So it's just an interesting park on, once again, a fairly high energy coastline. So there's three little secrets that um, uh, hidden away within our park system here in the Limestone Coast that you might not have known about. Now, Nick, we've talked about the fact that uh, National Parks and Wildlife Service is celebrating 50 years at the moment. For people who want to know more about our national parks and protected areas here in the Limestone Coast, how do we find out more and how do we go exploring the hidden secrets of the Limestone Coast? Well, I would encourage people to go online and Google Limestone Coast National Parks or go to our website, Department of Environment and Water, and Google National Parks South Australia because you'll find there are a lot of individual publications and park guides that will uh, give you a lot of extra information about the various parks and key features within the region. Nick, it has been fantastic to talk to you this morning. I have learnt a lot about the national parks here in our own backyard, most of which I had no idea about at all. Uh, hopefully... <laughs> People listening to the podcast today are going to find out a whole lot about our own backyard as well. Mate, over the course of the coming months, I reckon we should talk some more and talk individually about the likes of Ewans and Piccadilly Ponds, maybe the inland parks, the Coorong as well. What do you reckon? I think that's a top idea. I've given a broader overview today. I thought I'd better not steal anyone's thunder, but <laughs> there is plenty to talk about in our parks and plenty of interest, particularly as about 83% of South Australians visit a national park. That's from some recent studies we did. And so I would imagine there'd be a lot of uh, listener interest in uh, some people coming on specifically talking about some of the other really interesting features of their parks. Nick, there are definitely some hidden secrets in the Limestone Coast when it comes to our national parks and protected areas. Thank you for talking to us this morning. Thank you, Ewan. I appreciate your time. Always good to talk. Listener.